Well, just another welcome. Great to see you all here today. Um, as Roz has mentioned, we're continuing in the Growing in Christ series. This is part two in the series. And um, as you've seen, uh, these study books are great for your personal quiet times, and they're also good to join an online study, and uh, you've been hearing about that a moment ago. Um, today, our topic is assurance of answered prayer. Assurance of answered prayer. And um, I'd like to give you an interesting little quote here. You don't think of Albert Einstein and uh, you think of prayer, but... Uh, <laughs> Stuart Robinson, who was a senior minister of Crossway, my boss for many years, um, he uh, uh, did an amazing job, actually, with that church. It used to be Blackburn Baptist, and um, he led that church for about 25 years, and uh, they moved across to Burwood, in a new building, new facility. A lot of people didn't like the fact they moved, but it's proved to be the right place, and the church grew dramatically over those years and uh, went from... I think about 800 in attendance to about 3,500 in attendance, a community of 7,000 people. And um, Stuart writes some awesome books as well. This is one of them I'm going to quote from. This is his book, Growing Church Supernaturally. He says this, In 1952, Albert Einstein was asked by a Princeton doctoral student what was left in the world for original dissertation research. Einstein's reply was, Find out about prayer. Find out about prayer. Why did he say that? Well, not because he was a believer in Jesus, but actually he had seen the correlation that when people pray, circumstances change. When people pray, people's lives change. There's got to be something to it. It would be well worth putting a lot of research into, he thought. Well, these are Jesus' words about prayer. John 16, 24, he says this, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Beautiful words there from Jesus. You know, um, a lot of people pray that are not Christians. It was um, about four years ago, I remember we'd, we'd done a, um, a Christmas production outreach at my previous church, and uh, there'd been a lot of responses. We were running three alpha tables, and my daughter Evangeline had a bunch of her high school friends, 17 and 18-year-olds, come along to the event, and a number had made decisions, and three of them completed the alpha course. One of those girls was at my, my table, and... Um, as I was uh, chatting with her about prayer, she said, oh, my mum prays all the time. And I said, okay, tell me a bit about that. And she said, she prays to the cosmic energies of the universe. And um, I knew her mum was extremely unwell. And I said to her, does she ever expect to get any answers to her prayers? And she said, no, no, she doesn't. And I said, would she mind if um, myself and someone else came around and prayed for her? And she said, no, she wouldn't be open for that because she doesn't believe in God. There's just no way she would be open to that. I thought, isn't that interesting? But actually, that's far more common than what we uh, as believers in Jesus might realise. Um, I remember doing some door knocking at one point, uh, evangelistic door knocking with one of my friends, and got chatting with a lady at one of the doors, and she said, every morning I do my affirmations. Now, what did she mean by that? Well, I asked her, and she said, I thank the universe for the fact I have a house and that I have food. I said the same thing. Do you ever expect to get an answer to prayer from the universe? And she said, oh, no, of course not. This is very different what we're talking about now. Remember Jesus said, pray in my name. This isn't some nebulous force out there somewhere. It's personal. Jesus has said, pray in my name. This is the personal son of God. Pray in Jesus' name. And that's a huge difference, a huge difference. 
I remember um, just chatting with someone at uh, my alpha table here at the church um, on Tuesday, and um, I knew she'd been along to church, for, like she'd, she'd made a decision to believe in Jesus at, at um, our recent Christmas production, and, but it was her first time in a normal church service last week, and so I asked her, what was that like, uh, you know, uh, in the, at, at Alpha? And she said, oh, it's amazing. I loved it. I loved it. And then she talked something about the experience of the worship, the experience of receiving from the Word of God, you know, the idea of connecting with Jesus. And that's the difference, isn't it? That's the difference. Because we pray in Jesus' name. You know, we, we can know God personally. How different to the cosmic powers of the universe out there somewhere. Let me explore that verse that we're focusing on today a little bit. John 16, 24. Firstly, what is prayer? Well, prayer is simply talking to God, communicating with God, and it includes asking for things. In whose name should we pray? Well, we've been saying we, we pray in Jesus' name. And can I suggest praying in Jesus' name, that really, um, that makes sense when you have a good understanding of who Jesus is. How do you get a good understanding of who Jesus is? Simply read the Gospels or listen to the Gospels. Thirdly, uh, what's, what's a result from prayer? Well, that, that scripture said joy. Joy is a result from prayer. Well, let me break it up phrase by phrase. First of all, until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Now, what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Well, first of all, can I suggest it means praying um, with a sense of his authority. Now, when I pray for something, I can't see it happen with my own authority or power. It only happens because of the one I'm praying to. Jesus has the power. So we're praying with his authority. But there's more to it than that. Let me read this verse here from John 15:7. I think this gives us insight. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See the relational side of that. As we get to know Jesus, we start to pray the very things that he would want us to pray. The CV words it beautifully. Stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. Um, a foundation for effective prayer life is simply having a close relationship with Jesus and a good understanding of who Jesus is. Let me say a little bit more. There are conditions to receiving answered prayer. Look at 1 John 5.14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for him. Um, praying according to God's will, what does that mean? Well, if we have a broad understanding of the scriptures, that will help us know his will. And it gives us some sort of guide as to the sorts of things we might pray. Uh, if a motorist um, cuts you off in traffic aggressively, yells something out of their window at you and gives you the finger, you might feel like saying, God, zap him, zap him, zap him. But I'm not sure if that would be in keeping with God's will. Let me give you um, an example here of a big picture. Young people often will have this problem of saying, God, what is your will in regards to marriage? Who should I marry? Well, now the Bible doesn't have that many guidelines about that. We had a beautiful wedding here, actually, yesterday. Um, lovely couple were married. Uh, you may not know them. They've only been to church a few times, Huan and Stephanie. 
Uh, she's uh, Indonesian. He's uh, Spanish. Um, some of you may have, they were here last week, for instance. Um, how do you know who to marry? What does the Bible tell us? Really, it doesn't say a lot. It gives us a lot of freedom. Have a look at this verse here. 1 Corinthians 7.39. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes. Notice that? You're free to marry anyone you wish. You're free to marry anyone you wish. However, the whole verse does go on and give one principle. It says this. She is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. You belong to the Lord. God's one principle is you need to marry someone who also belongs to the Lord. So there's enormous freedom, but there is principle as well in the sense of God's guidance, a useful example. If you have a healthy knowledge of God's word, it means it is so much easier to have a broad picture of his will for your life. Second phrase, ask and you will receive. It says in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. That concept of asking is that throughout the scriptures quite a lot. God actually wants us to ask. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that he cares about you. Um, you of course, it can be said if you don't ask, what, what, there's no promise to receive. Uh, I know sometimes people don't ask because they, they have a suspicion that God's character is such. He's not going to give them good gifts. They're not sure that he has their best interests at heart. And so, you know, Christians even have, you know, subtly feel that way. You know, it's not obvious, but they're often there. And Jesus knew that. In Jesus' day, he tried to address that. This is what he said. Matthew 7, 9, the passage continues. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, give good gifts to those who ask him? You've got the idea. It's um, Jesus is saying to the crowds, you know, if, you, if, you, if your son, he wants some bread, you're not going to give him a venomous snake. And as he looks upon that vast crowd, he knows there are some people there that are pretty nasty coots, pretty evil people, nasty evil people amongst them. And he says, even if you're evil, you know, to give good gifts to your children. You think of drug lords or those in crime syndicates. They're often very generous to their families and really look after them even though they do a bunch of evil stuff. And as Jesus looks out of the crowd, he knows there's people out there that are pretty nasty coots. But even you guys, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Then how much more will God, who is generous and kind and loving, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, sometimes we can um, learn from uh, children or young people about this concept of expecting good gifts from God. I remember one day my uh, daughter Evangeline came home from school. She was 13 years of age, Hillcrest uh, Christian School, uh, first year of high school. And with great excitement, she says to me, Dad, uh, the, the school's planning a trip to Israel. We get to go to Lake Galilee. We get to see where Jesus preached. We get to see where Jesus was baptized by John. And, and she went on and on and on and talked about all the stuff. And I said, sweetie, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And I said, well, give me the... Had a look at the form, it's like over $5,000 it was going to cost. 
And, uh, and I had to say to her, I said, sweetie, we just can't afford it. We were very blessed at that school. There was a little window of two years where those in full-time ministry, if they signed up and joined the school during that period, they paid next to nothing in fees. Well, we were in that little group. And, uh, but I knew there was lots of other parents. They had big incomes. And I said, $5,000 would be nothing to them. But I said to her, sweetie, we just can't afford it. We can't afford it. And she says, God will provide. God will ask and you will receive. God will provide. And, and I said to her, um, okay, um, what, um, what, what do you think we could do? And she said, well, we could do a sausage sizzle after church. And she has a whole bunch of different ideas. And I said, sweetie, even if we did all of those things, we might raise a few hundred dollars. And we're not going to raise a few thousand. And anyway, she would not accept my answer because she believed God wanted her to go. So anyway, I, um, I got a call from the um, head of middle school about two or three weeks later. She's a Jewish, Christian Jewish lady who was heading up the tour. Anyway, she said um, on the phone, uh, you know, uh, our team of staff that's going to Israel really believe that uh, your daughter should be going on the trip. And we've prayed quite a bit about this and we've had a little chat with her and we, look, we really think it would be extremely good for her to go. And I said, look, I totally agree. It's fantastic. Fantastic idea. Very exciting. She'll learn so much, but we just haven't got the money. There's no way in the world we can afford this. And she said, well, look, what about I come out to your church, tell your church a little bit about Evangeline and all the stuff she's involved in at, at the school, and I, I personally think they'd get behind and support her. I said, okay, look, I'll, I'll have a chat with my leadership. <laughs> so I had a chat with my leadership. I mean, they were extremely supportive leadership. They just said, oh, of course, do it, do it, come on, do it. And um, anyway, so <laughs> this lady comes out, head of middle school, has a little chat with the congregation, and, um, and she, she'd been allowed to take up an offering for Evangeline there and then in that service. People gave $3,500 just that Sunday, even though they weren't prepared, within two weeks, $5,500 have come in. And Evangeline, of course, said, see, Dad, I told you God was going to provide. <laughs> you remember that time when there was these little kids around Jesus and disciples were saying, he's an important prophet. You know, you get, you get out of his face. And he said, let the little children come to me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, he compared that those who had that born-again experience and entered kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, they had that innocent faith. That's how they opened their hearts to the reality of God. Well, Evangeline had that sort of faith. Let's have a quick look at it, will we? This is her getting baptised. We'll play her the clip. Either that's approximately the place where Jesus himself was baptised by John the Baptist. How do you think God, though, would respond for a request that he thought was not good for you, was bad for you, or you weren't ready for it? It's too soon. I remember my um, uh, first pastor, Pastor Kim Valentine, occasionally he'd do a kid's talk. He was a guitarist and singer, so he'd uh, often bring a little bit of music into the kid's talk. And I can still remember one Sunday he, he sung this little song. Might be time for a bit of reverb here, God. So what do you think? Sometimes God answers yes when I pray. Sometimes God answers wait when I pray. 
Sometimes God answers no just because he loves me so. But I know God always answers when I pray. Just a little song, but it's got all the theology in there, hasn't it? Just three little things. Because God always answers, but his answer may not always be yes, or it may be the timing is wrong. It's not always exactly what we might expect. But he has reasons for that. Perhaps I can illustrate that with a, um, an example from when I was a kid. I was about, uh, I think I was six when Dad and I started the conversation. And it was probably going to, I'd just turned seven, it would be leading into Christmas, I think, when I was to get the gift. Dad and I got talking about bows and arrows. And uh, I wanted a bow and arrow set. Dad tended to buy fairly good quality stuff. And um, so apparently he had bought me this pretty pretty uh, strong bow, pretty powerful bow, along with steel-tipped arrows. My mum looked at the gift and said, you can't, he's only seven. Yeah, he's going to shoot the chooks or shoot himself in the foot, you know. <laughs> so I didn't get it. I didn't know why I didn't get it, just didn't get it. About three, year, three years later, I did get it. Mum thought it was all right by then. <laughs> and I didn't shoot the chooks, honest, or myself. <laughs> but the timing, Mum felt, was wrong. You know, sometimes God's like that with us, you and I. We might be asking for something and we might be confident that it's now. He's saying, actually, it's a good request. But the timing is not yet. Not yet. Beautiful verse in Ephesians 3.20. Remember the old worship pastor of uh, Hillsong, Jeff Bullock? Pamela was down at a conference in Hobart and I bought one of uh, the many CDs and Jeff signed it on the back and put the scripture down. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. It's an encouragement to be expectant of God, isn't it, that verse? Well, let's have a look at the third portion of the scripture. Your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. Lots of examples of joy in the scriptures through answered prayer. I was just listening to one this morning as I was listening to the Gospel of Luke. These words, one thirteen. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. And he'll be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. So, of course, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth um, thought she was barren, probably was barren. And for many, many years they couldn't have children. Then the latter years of their life they were blessed with a son. And that answer to prayer brought tremendous joy. And he wasn't just anyone. He grew up to be John the Baptist. But joy is not just a feeling of being happy, is it? It's deeper than that. It's broader than that. It's more complex than that. And uh, I think this verse helps us a lot to understand it. Philippians 4.6, probably one of your favorite scriptures. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot in that, isn't there? What's the wrong reaction towards difficult circumstances? Anxiety. Fear. Most natural thing in the world. You know, things go wrong, 
There's conflict, there's difficulty. The most natural thing in the world for us is for us fallen humans to feel anxious, to feel fear. But God's saying that's not the right response. He's saying what is? Pray, pray, pray. And it, it's more than just shooting up a little prayer. You can shoot up a 30-second prayer, God, fix this situation. That's not going to affect your mind and heart. The concept is get, get, get alone with God, connect with God. Um, I'm back in the, the habit at the moment. Uh, I often do this over the years, but I'm back in the habit again at the moment of um, I'll spend uh, some hours um, walking around somewhere in God's creation. At the moment, I'm going to Sugarloaf Lake where I'll walk around the lake and pray. Meditate on some of the scriptures that I'll be preaching on on Sunday. Just spend that time in extended prayer. And it's more that sort of thing when you can get alone and get connected with God, where then bringing these things to prayer to God, and it can be thanksgiving as well because that's mentioned in the scripture. Worship should be part of that connection. And then he adds something else. The result of the right response, peace. Peace, God's peace which transcends understanding will come upon your life as you practice that right response. And... Um, we know that sometimes that peace is completely beyond circumstances. The circumstances would suggest your anxiety levels should be through the roof, and yet something supernatural happens. In my last church, um, Vicky Rodrigo uh, was off to visit her mum in Sri Lanka, Easter 2019. She went to a um, she was at a, a church that was holding a big evangelistic crusade. And um, she said, oh, it's amazing. Just people coming forward in great numbers, receiving Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Others who were coming forward for prayer for healing and God's power was released and many were instantaneously healed. And she went on to say there were others who had families or friends had brought them because they felt they were, had trouble with demons. And many of these people were rolling around the front of the church, frothing at the mouth and screaming. And in Jesus' name, the demons were driven out and they were set free. Wonderful meeting, she said. We're all very excited, very enthused. And then news came over. that churches were being bombed in Sri Lanka. And she said the whole atmosphere, of course, changed. Anxiety struck them. Is our church next? Is it going to be bombed? Is a bomb going to go off in the church? And... Uh, she said, we turned to God in prayer. We started to pray. And we started to worship. We started to sing his praises. And she said the atmosphere was extraordinary. It completely changed. I could see people's faces. They moved from the expressions of anxiety to expressions of peace. And then joy, joy in the midst of knowing our church could be bombed any moment. Joy exploded, she said. It exploded through the building. There was joy everywhere. That's supernatural, isn't it? Beyond the circumstances. And friends, this is very real, just to tell you what happened in one of the other churches. Let's put up this picture here um, of these children. This is Zion Church. One of the churches in Sri Lanka at the time. I had about... Um, a little over 40 Sunday school kids, that's them there. They had been 
Ah, it's a very challenging message from their Sunday school teacher uh, about the lordship of Jesus, about Jesus being first in every way. And it had said to them, who here was willing to die for Jesus? Every one of these little kids put up their hands. Minutes later, a bomb went off. Twelve of those children were killed. Twenty-eight adults were killed. A, um, a Muslim had come into the church. The senior pastor had spotted him, didn't trust him. You know, he just said, oh, no, I'm here to find out about Jesus. He was escorted off the property, but he had planted a bomb. That happened to a whole bunch of schools in Sri Lanka at the time. Reading the Western Journal, it stated that uh, over 300 were killed, over 500 wounded, many of them very seriously wounded. And Vicky was telling me, I think God was preparing me for this. She said, as I flew out of Australia to go to visit my mum in Sri Lanka, she said, I was meditating on Psalm 23. The shepherd psalm, as Spurgeon used to call it. And I just, my mind was filled with it. I was just delighting in it, enjoying meditating on it, thinking of the depth of it. And she said, when that news came over in our church, she said, these words, verse 4 of the psalm, just were flowing in my mind and heart. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil you. You're with me. And she felt those words, the depth of the truth of those words, just washing over her mind and spirit. And she said, God had prepared me for what I was about to experience back home. Friends, on another note, you know, there are, there are hindrances to answered prayer. Let's have a look at Psalm 66, 18. It says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You know, um, many years ago when I was a new Christian, uh, there was a visiting evangelist. His name was Christian Eichley, uh, uh, great preacher of the word, uh, guitarist and singer and um, I got talking with him a couple of times as a, as a new believer and uh, he gave a great illustration about sin and prayer. He said this. He said, um, just picture a hose, a hose pipe, up to the heavens, down to you. The blessings and the, the flow of God's um, water of um, mercy and love is flowing all over you. But as sin is in your heart, that hose starts to close up. The answers to prayer become less. The connection is not as open. thought it was a good illustration. James 4.3, another hindrance. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may 
Spend it uh, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Let me give you an example of such a prayer. Apparently there's five million in the tax lotto draw this week. God, I want to win tax lotto. There's five million in the draw this week and I don't want anyone else to win it, just me. I don't want to work again. I want to go on holidays all the time. I need a sports car and a yacht. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for good things, but I'm not quite sure if that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. I think James's scripture applied to that prayer. <laughs> Let's look at that verse one more time, the um, primary verse we're dealing with today. John 16, 24. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name, says Jesus, ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. I'd like to think we could all memorize that verse. What a great verse to have with you all the time. Why don't we say it together? So I'll count to three and we'll, we'll say it slowly together. One, two, three. Until now. Amen. The uh, little green book here, Growing in Christ, uh, gives us four principles for a balanced prayer life. Um, these are often mentioned. An acrostic for acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Four areas. Let me briefly explain each one. Adoration, reflecting on God himself. Praise him for his love, his power, his majesty, and his wonderful gift of Christ. Confession. Admitting your sins to God, be honest and humble. Remember, he knows you and loves you still. Thanksgiving, telling God how grateful you are for everything he's given, even the unpleasant things. Your thankfulness will help you see his purposes. And supplication, making specific requests for both others and yourself. Four areas for a balanced prayer life. Usually people don't struggle asking for things for themselves, but you know some some do. Um, I remember a friend of mine in my church at Mary Warren, George. George had had a wonderful conversion experience, wonderful salvation story. In his home group one night, he said to them, oh, really bad news. I was at my doctor's this week and uh, he said he would not up my dose of painkillers. He damaged his back some years, uh, a year or two before. And uh, he said, I'm in so much pain, he won't give me greater painkiller. His small group asked him a bit about it. And he said, well, he said, that, um, he said that I'm on the maximum level. George, these things are not healthy for you. I cannot prescribe you anymore. George is very upset about all this. He said, you know, I've so missed my golf. My back's too bad. I can't play golf anymore. <laughs> uh, more serious than that, though. Found it really hard to sleep at night. His small group said to him, well, George, have you ever prayed about it? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Look, I'm so grateful my, for my salvation, but I couldn't trouble God with something like that. He's got the whole world to think about. He can't be thinking about my back pain. He didn't, he didn't want the group to pray about that that night. <laughs> so they didn't. They respected that. However, he went to bed that evening, and he, he was in terrible pain. And he prayed something like this. God, thank you again for my salvation. It's so wonderful. Thank you for my Christian friends at church. 
so, so good. I thank you for church service. God, God, would you just, would you mind, would you mind taking away this pain in my back? In Jesus' name, amen. So after he prayed that, nothing happened at all. Nothing whatsoever. He's still in terrible pain, found it very, very hard to get to sleep. However, when he woke up in the morning, the pain was gone and it never returned. He was supernaturally healed. But he only received when he asked. Well, as the worship team returns, why don't we pray and close this uh, portion of the service in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, here today, we've been reminded of some tremendous scriptures about prayer. It's at the very heart of Christianity. I want to ask, Lord, that each one of us might develop a healthier prayer life. That prayer might become deeply central to who we are. That we might be constantly thinking of you, being in prayer to you, getting extended times of prayer with you. And so, Father, we pray that our relationships become closer and closer to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.